So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space 102 FM, which is a Come and See Inspirations production being produced here in our Come and See studio here in Ada. And it's the 17th of January. It's the second Sunday in Ordinary Time. My name is John Keely. It's great to have you with us. And help me to produce a programme this morning. Shane Ambrose. Good morning, Shane. Good morning, John. How are we keeping? Good. Thanks a lot for joining me, Shane. And of course, we also want to welcome, as usual, our listeners who are housebound, lonely, um, these days, maybe struggling in some way. Our listeners who support us each, each week in prayer. And also those who contact us. We've had a few little texts in uh, these days. And thank you indeed for those who text us in, maybe to, to pass comments. I must say, Shane, that there's a lot of people, there's a lot of our listeners who enjoy listening to Saints for the Week. You know, go, go, going through going through the various ages. So, so thanks a lot for, for bringing that to our listeners' attention. Um, and as well as that, now we, we also want to advise people that if they do want to contact us with anything at all, a comment, maybe it's a choice of music, maybe it's a guest that they suggest we should have on to, to inspire us all trying to live out our faith, do so by texting us on 87 6088 667 That's 87 6088 667 or email sacredspace102 at gmail.com. Now our program, uh, Sacred Space 102 FM, is broadcast on Sacred Space at West Limit 102 Local Radio at 10 a.m. and 11 p.m. each Sunday. People would be aware at this particular stage the 10 a.m. slot uh, includes Mass being broadcast from Abbeyfield Parish so, and the uh, normal programme continues on each Sunday evening at 11pm. And of course you can listen to all of our programmes on our, our podcasting platform commonseeinspirations.buzzpread.com Just Google Common Sea Inspirations and you get us there. And also uh, there's also some information still on our blog, which goes back many a year, thanks to Shane. Um, and that's the sacredspace102.blogspot.com. Again, if you if you are going on that and you ever come across links that, that don't work so good, um, just 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 give me a text on 087-6088-667. We'll see what we can do. Or sacredspace102 at gmail.com. You can also get us, by the way, on Spotify and iTunes. So now we come to that... Meant that, that part of the program where I mentioned early on, Saints for the Week. Shane, I believe you've got some going way back now these days, right, right to the early parts of the church, I think, this week. Anyway, let's see where we go. Yeah, we have a couple of interesting ones uh, on this week's uh, list, I suppose, on the calendar this week. Uh, a lot of martyrs, actually, this week. So um, this comes with your sausage and rash warning um, that we normally give when we're talking about the martyrs of the church. So, um, you know, or if there's small people around, maybe whose ears might not be suitable for these things, uh, just just to give that bit of a heads up. So, um, so today is the second Sunday in Ordinary Time. It, for those of us praying the altar, we're on week two. So Monday, the 18th of January is an interesting one. So I've gone slightly different with this one. I've gone for two blesseds. Now, technically, you're not supposed to mention a blessed unless they're local to your church or local to your country. But I went with these two because it's Blessed Victoire Gusto and Blessed Charlotte Lucas. And they are both French martyrs. And they died on the 18th of January, 1794, at uh, Avril in uh, Man-et-Loire in France. 
and they are two martyrs of the French Revolution, and they're referred to as, they're part of the group known as the Martyrs of Anjou. Uh, so collectively, the Martyrs of Anjou, are, are their memorial is celebrated on the 2nd of January, but these two, Victoire and, and Charlotte, their day is celebrated, uh, their memorial is celebrated on the 18th of January. On the 19th of January, we have the feast day of St. Germanicus of Simrena, I think is how you pronounce the area. It's a place in Turkey. He was a spiritual student of Polycarp. Uh, we've, we've come across Polycarp before. He was, he's also a martyr. And he's, he's, the story of St. Germanicus' death is recorded by Polycarp, and that's why it's remembered down to the present day. He died in uh, the, 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 the persecutions in Turkey in 156 AD, and he was torn to death by animals in the circus in the city. And at first, the animals ignored him, but Germanicus provoked them just to get it over with. So it was an interesting, um, yeah. it's an interesting way to approach it, I suppose. Uh, he's a young man. He's generally presented, painted or represented as a young man with a palm, uh, like a palm prond, or um, a young man with a lion. So that's Saint Germanicus. Then on the 20th of January, we have two saints. One is Fabian who was a pope for 14 years when he was martyred under Decius in the year 250 AD. The more interesting saint on the 20th of January is Saint Sebastian. Now, Sebastian's an interesting one because he was an early martyr. He was a soldier and he was martyred. He was one of the martyrs under Diocletian. And we, we often mention the, martyr, the, 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 the persecutions of Diocletian, particularly for the early martyrs of the church. Sebastian was the son of um, a wealthy Roman family. He was educated in Milan. He was an officer of the imperial army and a captain of the guard. But um, during Diocletian's persecution of the Christians, he visited the prisoners in prison and brought supplies. And uh, he, was, he was charged as a Christian. Um, and then he was tied to a tree and shot with arrows. So it's a very famous depiction that you often have of St. Sebastian, particularly of paintings um, of, the, of the Renaissance period. But he was quite a favorite saint during the Renaissance, where you have him tied to a tree full of arrows and left for dead. And the story goes that he was survived and he was helped by St. Irene, recovered, and he returned to preach to Diocletian, whereupon the emperor had him beaten to death, as one does. Yes, so charming, <laughs> charming chap, Diocletian. You really want him as your friend. But anyway, mm. the interesting thing about Sebastian, and the reason I kind of picked him out of the calendar for today, is that during the 14th century, now Sebastian, sorry, I should say Sebastian died first of all in 288 AD. So during the 14th century, so that's the 1300s, the random nature of infection with the Black Death caused people to like to associate the plague coming to their villages like being shot by an army of nature's archers. So in desperation, they prayed for the intercession of a saint associated with archers, who, of course, is Saint Sebastian. So he's, one of, he's known as one of the 14 holy helpers. So he was invoked during the plague as a saint to deal with plague. So it's an interesting one for our times. As well as that, he also has the patron saints of for diseased cattle, plague victims, as I said, archers, armors, athletes, bookbinders, fletchers, lead workers, lace workers, soldiers, stonemasons and stone cutters, as well as the Swiss Guard, actually. So he's an interesting guy. So his feast day we celebrate on the 20th of January. A very busy saint. Indeed, a very busy saint, indeed. So on the 21st of January, we celebrate this feast day of St. Agnes. Now, Agnes is an important one. 
She's one of our virgins. Virgin and Martyrs is how she's described in the calendar. And people say, how do I know that name? Because Agnes is one of the few female saints that's actually prayed for in the canon of the Eucharistic prayer. So she's one of those ones. So she, her, her memory has been honored from the most ancient times in the church as a model. She was generally wealthy and beautiful, and she was martyred because she refused to kind of marry and give up her virginity. She pledged it to Christ, uh, and she died in the early 4th century. She's the patron saint of engaged couples, gardeners, and young girls. And on the feast day of St. Agnes in Rome, generally what happens is the Pope blesses two lambs that are brought to wherever he is that day and the wool of the lambs is taken and used uh, to make the pallium and the pallium is the kind of the, the, the wool collar that archbishops wear around on top of their vestments you know like a white collar and it is a sign of their authority as metropolitans uh, now up to a couple of years ago um, newly created archbishops who travel to Rome for the feast day of the 29th of June which is the feast day of St. Peter and St. Paul and they would be vested in their pallium by the Pope however Pope Francis has kind of stopped that tradition and now it happens in the cathedral where the archbishop sits by the papal nuncio but before before the pallium is sent out it's left overnight on the tomb of St. Peter with prayers and so on and so forth said and it's blessed on the feast of St. Peter and Paul but that, that's the association with St. Agnes whose feast day we celebrate to Day, or sorry, the 21st, I should say. On the 22nd of January, we see, celebrate the feast day of St. Vincent of Saragossa. Spanish saint died, martyred in 304 in, in Valencia after much torture. And the interesting thing about it is St. Vincent was a deacon of the church. So he's up there with the likes of St. Lawrence as an example of those who give service to the community. Uh, the Saturday, the 23rd, is the feast day on the on on some calendars. Now, I, I couldn't see it on all calendars, but on some calendars, it is the feast day of St. Coleman of Lismore. He was a monk under St. Hurluk, who was the Ashop abbot bishop of the monastery of Lismore in 1698 and he was made made abbot bishop I should say of Lismore as St. Colbert was in 698 AD and during his leadership Lismore's fame for holiness and scholarship reached its peak and he died in 702 AD of natural causes. As well as that John, just another interesting one Uh, it's not generally on the calendar anymore but a feast day that sometimes is celebrated locally or in religious congregations on the 20th 23rd of January is the feast day of the espousal of the Blessed Virgin Mary or the betrothal of the Blessed Virgin Mary or as we call it today the engagement of the Blessed Virgin Mary uh, not a very common celebration anymore uh, it was taken off the calendar in 1969 but it celebrated um, the Jewish tradition that marriages were a two-step process so you got espoused or you were betrothed which was a legal for a legal ceremony where you were then actually technically married which was followed up afterwards then by an actual marriage ceremony where the marriage was then consummated so it's just um, generally that's why in the Gospel of St. Matthew we have the account that St. Mary was betrothed to St. Joseph. She she would have gone through that ceremony. So I just thought it was an interesting one. As I said, not really celebrated on the calendar anymore, but it's one of those that just hangs hangs around on some calendars when you look at it. So that's what we have, John, for the liturgical odds and ends this week. Shane, thanks a lot. I I, I don't know how many calendars you you have at your disposal, but you certainly seem to get around the place anyway. Thanks a lot for that. (laughs) Now, there's there's another piece of maybe topical information you might want to bring us this week. Yes. Um, Okay, so this was something I was asked by a couple of people over the last two or three weeks. 
And it revolves around the whole issue of the vaccine program um, that's there for the COVID-19. So as people are aware, that program is, is started and it's progressing, you know, as, as the, the HSE is dealing with it from, from around the country. <laughs> but some people have asked whether or not it is morally permissible for Catholics to get the vaccine. Uh, and the, this, has, this has arisen because some of the research that was done on the vaccine was based on um, stem cells that were taken from um, fetuses that were aborted going back to the 1960s. So there, there was a question of, well, can Catholics use you know, the vaccines because, you know, are they morally compromised because of abortion? So it's interesting. Uh, so oddly enough, or maybe promptly enough, the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith uh, in the Vatican, uh, issued guidance on the 21st of December, which mirrored guidance issued by our own bishops on the 9th of December, which is that for Catholics, there is no issue with taking the viruses, taking the vaccines against the virus. It is more ethically acceptable, if a more, ex if a more ethically acceptable alternative is not readily available, it is morally permissible for Catholics to accept a vaccine which in, involves the use of fetal cell lines, especially if the potential risk to life or health is significant, as in the case of a pandemic. Refusal to accept a vaccine could contribute to significant loss of life in the, com in the community, and especially among those who are most vulnerable. And this reality must inform any judgment of conscience. So for those people that are weighing up whether, whether or not they're going to take the vaccine, obviously you look at it from the point of view of the medical side, but for those that are weighing it up from a Catholic moral point of view, um, the bishops and the CDF have been very clear on it. And in addition to that as well, just to uh, give you a degree of consolation, Pope Francis himself has come out in support of the vaccine process. And he said himself, I believe that morally everyone must take the vaccine, the pontiff said in an interview with Italy's TG5. Um, it is the moral choice because it is about your life, but also the lives of others. Um, he says, I do not understand why some say that this could be a dangerous vaccine if the doctors are presenting this to you as a thing that will go well and doesn't have any special dangers why not take it there is a suicidal denialism that i would not know how to explain but today people must take the vaccine and that is from pope francis and it's interesting so he had that interview on the 10th of january in italy and as of uh the 13th of january it is confirmed or sorry yes the 13th of january the pope has actually received the first part of his his two jabs in the vatican so that's that's an interesting one just for people just to take that kind of as an example as well and if people you know, people might be concerned about it. We have an example there. And of course, our own President Michael D has received it. Joe Biden has taken it. So there are people out there that are kind of showing up the example that's there and encouraging people to consider taking it. Now, just in relation to other things COVID related, uh, just one other thing just to say to people as well. Uh, the Vatican has also issued guidance, the Congregation for the Divine Worship and Sacraments, in relation to Ash Wednesday. Now, Ash Wednesday is not for a couple of weeks yet. It's not until, uh, I think it's the 20... Sorry, no. It is the 20, 17th of February is Ash Wednesday. But the Vatican has issued guidance on the distribution of ashes. So hopefully at that stage, churches will be reopened. So this year, what they are saying to people is the imposition of ashes will change. Now, it will change for us here in Ireland because the way that we receive ashes is slightly different to how they do it in other countries. So in Ireland, what generally happens is the priest will 
put ashes on your forehead and make the sign of the cross and will generally say, um, remember thou art dust and unto dust you shall return or repent and return to the gospel. That's one of the two things that will be said. So what's going to happen this year is the priest will only say that once to the entire congregation. He will then wash, he will put on his masks, wash his hands, and then what will happen is he will sprinkle ashes on people's head. There will, no be, there will not this year be an imposition of ashes on people's foreheads. That is, the, that is the advice and the recommendation that's been given for the Vatican. We'll obviously have to wait and see what the bishops in Ireland decide to do with that advice. But that's what's been said so far for Ash Wednesday, which will be the 17th of um, the 17th of February. And it's interesting, actually, in the instructions that are given in the different languages, it says the priest should cover his nose and mouth. So just a reminder, if any of your clergy are out there and listening this morning, gentlemen, you are supposed to cover both and you are not supposed to wear it under your chin. So that's just um, just a, a reminder to people as well. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Obviously, of course, at the moment, churches in Ireland are closed up until the 31st of January. Uh, by the government's uh, regulations. So we'll just have to wait and see how that's going to be handled as we get into the month of February. So that's what we have, John, at the moment. So I just thought those little bits and pieces people might be interested in. Very comprehensive. Thank you so much indeed. I think the important thing there was what was that, 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 that this advice that you gave early on from the, from the Vatican um, came from the Vatican. It wasn't social media yeah. or whatever, whatever. It's a, no, and the problem, one of the reasons I think that there, the Vatican came out of it so quick was that there was quite a lot of stuff online. There was quite a lot of misinformation being sent around in WhatsApp and social media. And particularly in the United States, there was a bit of a problem because there was very mixed messages coming. So um, quite quickly, actually, the CDF came out with that note, which was which is unusual. The Vatican doesn't normally work very quickly, but in this scenario, they did. I, was, I would suggest Pope Francis told them, get on with it. Um, <laughs> so I... I it was issued, and as I said, and that was I said that was issued there before Christmas. Now the date of the Vatican report, or the Vatican, the, the date of it is the I think it's the twenty to twenty first of December. If people want to look it up themselves, I think that's a very important point too. That, that quite a quite a lot in all facets of life, people are getting their information from from other sources rather than original sources. You know, from 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 Facebook or, or, or people putting things up on social media. Yeah, what I would say to people, I, I I would say to people is you need to be very careful about stuff like that and where you get your information from. So I was actually asked recently, how do you get all this news, Shane, and where do you come across it? And I, I made the point to someone, so I have a Facebook page and I follow the Vatican News on Facebook. But if I see something on Facebook, I don't assume that that is gospel. I look to see what is the source and then I will look to see can I see it on three or four other reliable sites that I know. So, for example, um, for example, I would cross-check it at the Vatican site. I would check with Crooks. I would check with NR NCR. Um, there's two NCRs, you know, sites like that. But also just to say to people as well, um, just to be careful that some of the sites uh, recently have come into a bit of trouble um, because of the approach that they've taken, and particularly if they're U.S.-based. So there's been quite a number of sites that have been critical of the approach that they're trying to take, and particularly around the whole issue around the election in the United States. So you do need to be careful with the sites that you're looking at. So, and some of them would be would be very popular sites in Ireland um, that you just need to be careful of, um, and which questions are being asked over. Like some of them um, would be like. Um, 
for example, there's the National Catholic Reporter, there's the National Catholic Register. There is a bit of question mark at the moment about EWTN because there is an awful lot of changes going on at the at that 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 organisation at the moment. So you just need to be very careful with information that you take in it. Always check around and check where your source is coming from. Always ask the question: Who benefits? Who's telling you about it? What's their angle? You know, what's their point of view on it? And is it a report? Is it a news report? Or is it an opinion that's been given? So just to be very careful with that, because it's it is something that can get people into a lot of difficulties or mislead people, and it just just to be careful with it. Another important point on that, just so you know, just before we leave it, is people should be very careful as to what they forward on to people without knowing themselves. Some mm. people have a habit that they, they pick up something on WhatsApp or whatever it is and automatically forward it on to somebody else. And, and mm-hmm. somebody else assumes that because you're a fairly reliable guy, you understand this and this is all legit. It mightn't be. It'd be very careful. Exactly. Yeah, out. that's that's the thing. So I I would always say to people, if you don't know where it is from, if you don't, if you haven't seen it from somewhere that is extremely reliable, I would say you know you should be questioning yourself about before you're sending it on and spreading um spreading misinformation. Like I always remember back last year in March, um, if people remember, just before the very first lockdown. I remember getting a number of messages where you had this person saying that this was going to happen and that was going to happen. It was like a voice message you're getting on your WhatsApp. Turned out afterwards, that message had been spread across four or five countries and it was traced back to a particular website in Russia. It was complete and utter fake news, as it's called. So you just need to be very, very, very careful about where you're getting your sources of information. Check it, verify it, and make sure it's okay. Shane, thanks a lot indeed for that. So at this point in our programme here, uh, at Second Space 102 FM, we'll pray a spirit of communion prayer. And this is so important for us these days because we can't receive Jesus sacramentally, as Shane just uh, shared with us there, um, in our churches at Mass. And this is the prayer we pray, and maybe we can all pray this together. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. So now we go for our first bit of music. The piece of music that I've chosen this morning, it's, it's a form of a morning prayer as far as I'm concerned. It's entitled The Deer's Cry, and this is by Angelina. So come back and join us in part two. Part two this week, um, we're replaying uh, something that was broadcast uh, back uh, in 2014, the 12th of January 2014, uh, if you can remember back that far. But we had Michael Keaton from Rahina and our own Lorraine Buckley, who is now, of course, Sister Mary Dominic from the Sisters of uh, the Dominican Sisters of St. Joseph in Lymington in the UK. And they share with us a reflection on St. Ida. Join us again in part two, where we'll listen to that particular reflection. And then, of course, following that, we'll, we'll, we'll continue on with our Sunday Gospel. So join us again in part two. of wind, depth of the sea. 
stability of earth, firmness of rock. I arise today through God's strength to pilot me, God's light to look before me, God's wisdom to guide me. God's way to lie before me, God's shield to protect me. So welcome back again to the second part of Second Space, 102FM. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose on the other end of the Skyplan. And last Friday, uh, the 15th of January, it was the Feast of St. Ida, who, along with St. Munchen, is a patron saint of our diocese here in Limerick. So we're now going to play a recording from a programme of the 12th of January, actually, 2014. When Michael Keating and our good friend Lorraine Buckley, now Sister Mary Dominic of the Dominican Nuns of St. Joseph, joined us to talk about St. Ida. So let's listen to this now. Welcome back again to the programme. My name is Lorraine Buckley, joined in studio this morning by John Keeley. And we have a very special guest in our uh, studio this morning. We'd like to welcome back again 
Michael Keating. Thank you, Lauren. Michael, you're here to talk to us about the beautiful feast day that's coming up next Wednesday, 15th of January. Tell us who are we celebrating? Well, 15th of January, Feast of St. Dieter. She's patroness of our diocese. And in the Limerick Diocese, it's um, in the church's calendar, it's celebrated as a feast day. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the country is celebrated as a memorial. And as far as the people in Caledi, it's just simply called St. Dieter's Day. It's yeah. a big day in the parish, you know, and that's, that's the parish holiday in Caledi. And next Wednesday, there is Mass, a concelebrated Mass in Rahina at 11 o'clock. And the main concelebrant is Bishop Brendan Leahy. And we are delighted to have him because it's his first St. Dieter's Day in the diocese, and we're over the moon to have the bishop for that day. And Wednesday night in Ashford at 7.30, there's Mass. And in preparation, for the feast day, starting on Tuesday morning after the 10 a.m. Mass in Lahina, there will be 24-hour adoration before the Blessed Sacrament in the sacristy in Lahina. And we started it last year, and it was a wonderful success, and people came over for 24 hours and spent the time with our Lord in preparation for the feast day. Isn't it a beautiful way to prepare for a feast, though, Michael? Time spent. It's the proper way to spend time with the Lord. Exactly. It's the proper way. So... Now, a lot of listeners will know the story of St. Dieter very well, but just for maybe some of them mightn't mm-hmm. know the story, Isa was born in County Waterford around the year 480. We don't know the exact year of her, her birth. And we're told she died in the year, around the year 570 on the mm-hmm. 15th of January. And by my calculations, that's 1,444 years wow. since this, this feast has been celebrated. Mm-hmm. And... I was thinking about that and I said, how did it last so long? You know, through the, all the raids we had in the country, Vikings, the Normans, the penal times, the mm-hmm. Reformation, and it's still being celebrated. And it brought me back to the Acts of the Apostles when Peter and John were arrested for preaching about the resurrection. And Gamaliel, the Pharisee, intervened and he said, look, he says, if this is of human origin, he says, it will die away of its own accord. But he said, if it's from God, he says, you will not stop it. And he said, take care not to find yourself fighting against God. You know, and this devotion to St. Isaac must be from God to last so long. Exactly. So it's hard to imagine it could last so long. But this year, you know, I was thinking about what we do in the program. Mm-hmm. And we've dealt fairly well in the history for the last couple of years. So I said this year, maybe, could we look at the, the life of St. Isaac and what Isaac would say to us today in the year 2014? Mm-hmm. Well, if Ida was alive, what would she say to us? But I suppose the truth is, she'd say very little because she didn't do a lot of talking. <laughs> she was a doer. She yeah. was. She and really was. She didn't leave any writings or any big long thesis on how to live life. She just lived it as she thought, you know, the best she could, mm-hmm. close to God, and people followed her. They came in the droves to Khalidi because of this holy woman. Mm-hmm. And um, I suppose the first thing Ida would say, and the first thing we noticed in her life is this, personal life of holiness. I was a very young girl, about 14 or 15, very prayerful girl, and she had this call from God you know, to take the veil of virginity and to be a bride of Christ. And um, she met a lot of opposition from her father, who had a marriage arranged for her with a local prince. Now, one thing you must hit out here, Ida was a princess. Mm-hmm. She was not a poor person, she was a wealthy person born into royalty and um, but she renounced all that and took the veil of virginity from the bishop down in Waterford at the time and left her own country guided only by the Holy Spirit 
and we're told three lights that guided her across the country. The, the Galtes, the Ionosphere's Clune Cradle, which was the Meadow of Fate, which today is Kilidia. And, um, and I suppose the, the first thing I would tell us, we have to lead a life of prayer. Mm-hmm. No matter how busy we are, we must spend this time in prayer. And even though I was in a community of nuns, you know, where she would pray the, mm-hmm. with the community, mm-hmm. of course, we're told she had her own cell built away from the community where she would go to pray and to spend time with the Lord. And there's a story told of one nun who was curious and who followed her and she saw this cell being lit up by no known light, you know, one night. And um, so Isis wants us to spend time in prayer, just to take that time out. Because that's mm-hmm. in the gospel as well. Jesus exactly. himself said to the apostles, he said, look, we have to go away and spend time in prayer. He mm-hmm. said, they were too busy, you know, they mm-hmm. couldn't even pray. And... Um, was with the prayer then Ita was begin to fasting mm. now and the story told again about where the angel reprimanded her because she overdid the fasting so like but she would promote fasting giving up some little thing I mean regulated fasting now mm-hmm. you know. mm-hmm. and but all her miracles all stemmed from her prayer life and her devotion to the Blessed Trinity Absolutely. And of course, like we, we kind of look at the saints and think, sure, they were great. They were made for holiness. But I can't do that, which is completely untrue. It's, it's a tiny bit of a cop out, actually, if we say that we can't be holy because we're made for holiness. We're made for God. We're made to be in communion with him. And we're going to touch a little bit on that in the second part of the program where we look at baptism. But we're made for holiness, Michael, aren't we? Yeah. We love to leave holiness to the next person, you see. Yeah, you know, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, or to the wife, maybe. Or she, she goes to mess and she goes yeah. to her. You know what I mean? Yeah. That'll do me. Like, you know what I mean? It won't do me. <laughs> exactly. Um, and even prayer, as you said, um, Michael, prayer um, is described as a covenant. It's a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's a relationship between us and God. And if we're not spending time on that relationship, then no matter how much God wants us to have that relationship with him, it can't all be one-sided, can it? No, no. You see, we can see this from all the saints, basically. Mm-hmm. They spent their time in prayer, they spent close to God, mm. and people were drawn to them. Mm-hmm. People were drawn to Galidia, not because Isa was a princess, but because of her holiness, mm-hmm. how she was so close to God. Mm. And the miracles didn't stem from that. You know, they brought people from all over Munster to Ita because they knew she had the power of healing and all this, you know, but it came from her, her life with God. And I suppose the second point in about Ita would be you know, a simplicity of life and, I suppose, a detachment, a certain detachment from mm. earthly things and especially the love of money. You know, Ita could have, if Ita loved money and loved power, she could have stayed in Waterford. Exactly. She didn't. She renounced all that. And um, she came to Kalidi. But she was a very practical woman as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, she had a community nuns. They had to... Um, they couldn't <laughs> live in fresh air and um, it seems it was self-sufficient and very industrious nuns there and mm-hmm. you know, she knew about making ends meet as well she was a very practical sensible woman mm-hmm. I suppose in, in our own days we could, we could look at it how can I detach myself from stuff we might have the mortgage which we have to pay we might have children that we have to feed but how can we become detached from material things and it might be as simple as turning off the TV for half an hour at night and spending that half hour reading the Bible or maybe saying the rosary or doing a little meditation or whatever it might be because the whole point of detachment is you're you're detaching yourself from one thing to put God in its place mm-hmm. yeah now the next point I would like to hit on is it was about passing on the faith to children 
Mm. Oh, but praying with the, as I am sure I would tell us to pray with our children, you know, read the Bible stories for them, tell them about the life of Jesus. And of course, this was Isis, surely her greatest gift of all was passing on the faith to children because mm-hmm. it earned her the title of the foster mother of the saints of Ireland. These are the Celtic saints of Ireland now. They all looked up to Isis as their foster mother. Mm-hmm. Now, some she fostered in Kaledi, and the most notable being St. Brendan. You know, as a lot of people don't know that, that he was fostered in Kaledi. Mm-hmm. He spent probably six or seven years in Kaledi. And, um, but it just tells the importance of spending time with children and praying with them. Mm. And the legacy I had left them like was just unbelievable. And, you know, there's a prayer garden up in Muffin, Donegal, and they have Ita down there as the foster mother of the Twelve Apostles of Ireland. Saints I never heard of, but mm-hmm. she obviously influenced all those Celtic saints. Mm-hmm. And of course, we all have a role in that as well. Saint Ita wasn't a physical mother. Like I, I'm not a physical mother of children, but I have a role as a spiritual mother, either by praying for people or by living a good example. Or, you know, in whatever ways we come in contact with children in our lives, to be that positive example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the next point I'd like to bring out is uh, about praying for, you know, asking God for direction in our lives. You know, sometimes we set off and we, I want to do this. You know, I want to do medicine. I want to do accountancy. But do we ever stop to ask what God wants us to do? Mm-hmm. And I think this is brought out beautifully in the story of Isis' two sisters. You know, Ita's two sisters. First of all, um, Fiona followed her from Waterford mm-hmm. and f- she asked to join the convent and she joined the convent, became a nun with Ita in Kaledi. And after a few years, we are told in the history that Ita's mother died, so her sister Nessa came to Kaledi. And of course, everybody presumed automatically Nessa was going to become a nun as well. Nessa mm-hmm. came to join the convent. She wanted to join the convent, but Ita said, no, she said, wait and pray, she said. So Nessa was obviously very upset because mm-hmm. she said, what's wrong with me? You know, my sister was good enough for the convent. Why am I not good enough for the convent? So Ita said her vocation was married life. Mm-hmm. And Nessa was upset about this. But eventually Nessa, through prayer, waiting on God's calling, she discovered that her path to heaven was a straight path through married life. Mm-hmm. She could see the broad straight to heaven in front of her. And she married the Thatcher in Kaledi, who was beaten, and became the, f- the mother of St. Mokomog, who had a big monastery over near Tullus in Tipperary. <laughs> wow. so, by following God's will, you know, into the married life, she, she was the mother of this great saint who mm-hmm. set up a massive monastery over there. Mm-hmm. You know, can you imagine if she didn't, if she went into the convent and didn't, she wouldn't have fulfilled God's plan. Mm-hmm. So there's many, there's many ways to heaven, isn't there, Michael? Like we oh. all have a particular role, whatever it is, whether it's married life or single life or religious life or priesthood. There's so many different ways to heaven. And I suppose I'd like to hit out that point particularly to young people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's tough today, you know, maybe you're going to college, you, you come out with a degree and you say, oh, there's nothing there for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe stop and pray that God will just turn you the right direction, you know, the way he wants you to go. Um, next point, I suppose, is the charisms of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Now, can you explain to us what a charism is, Michael, if, if somebody gifts, doesn't know it? The gifts, uh, this, you know, spiritual gifts are the, the Holy Spirit. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, mm-hmm. the charisms are mentioned. Um, healing, faith, healing, working of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits and tongues and interpretation of tongues. Mm-hmm. Um, we know miracles were worked through it. God worked miracles through it. 
He gave her this great gift of discerning spirits, you know, people in all sorts of trouble, I could straight away could discern Papa's right, Papa's wrong. You know, mm-hmm. She had these incredible gifts, you know. I'm sure she'd be very much at home with 1 Corinthians 12, and she'd be very much at home in a charismatic meeting. <laughs> sure. <laughs> she would understand it 100%. Sure. <laughs> um, and I suppose, you know, we'll be talking about the baptism of our Lord later mm-hmm. on and mm-hmm. coming down with the Holy Spirit. But, you know, we receive the Holy Spirit in baptism, we receive the gifts in confirmation, but I often remember what happens mm-hmm. after confirmation. You know, do we nurture those gifts and, you know, bring them out after confirmation? Sometimes they're just lying dormant there for years and never touch them. Exactly. And I'm sure even St. Ida would say as well that the greatest of the gifts that we receive are faith, hope and love. And it's by exercising faith, hope and love that we can begin to use and recognize the other, the charismatic gifts within ourselves as well. Um, one other thing I suppose um, Ida's name was originally Deirdre okay but it was changed the bishop down there changed it to Ida which means Tusts for God oh beautiful I think it's a beautiful name mm-hmm. and it reminds me of Psalm 63 Tusts for God you know mm-hmm. if I could I'd love to just read maybe have I time to read yeah. one verse John mm-hmm. here God you are my God I pine for you my heart tusts for you my body longs for you as a land past dreary and waterless, thus I gaze on you in the sanctuary, seeing your power and your glory. Mm. I'm sure right uh, that Sam should probably made mm. it her own. Mm. And I suppose maybe just, John, did you want to say no, something there? Uh, maybe just sum up. You know, one girl followed God's call. She was mm. probably 14 or 15. She listened, she had God's calling, she answered God's call. Mm. and look at the results mm-hmm. there was a huge monastic settlement built in Kaledi it you know, spread right throughout Munster her foster children with all over Munster and in Fadderfield you'll see you know, statues sent out all over West Cork, Kerry Tipperary, you'll see them everywhere you'll see stained glass windows why? because one girl followed God's call as mm-hmm. a young girl and did what God wanted her no, I, I was just thinking there Michael you know as you were nominating all those various things that I would say, and I thought, there's nothing that we all can't do. You mentioned prayer. We can all pray. Pray, as Lorraine said, you know, having that relationship with God. Simplicity, detachment, passing on the faith to children, spiritual children or human children, asking God for direction and asking for gifts of the Holy Spirit. There were beautiful things that you just mentioned to us that you reckon St. Ida would be asking us to do today. And it's not out of our bounds to do it. It's not hard PhD stuff. No. It's ordinary stuff that we it's can all do. ordinary stuff. She was a very simple, ordinary woman. Mm-hmm. But it was extraordinary results mm-hmm. when she did you from her life. You know, and the proof of it is we're still talking about it today and still celebrating it today. Beautiful. And I think I think that invitation that you have for us, Michael, here's what will happen if we follow God's will. Mm-hmm. Imagine what could happen in our lives if we follow God's will. Well, if you look at the gospel, like Jesus had only 12 apostles. Mm-hmm. And look at what happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, but, mm-hmm. and they were powerless until the Holy Spirit came down at Pentecost. Mm-hmm. They were fearful men. They were locked away in a room. But when the Holy Spirit came, they were different people. Absolutely. It's time for a piece of music now and the piece we're going to take is from the album Faith of Our Fathers and indeed it's entitled Faith of Our Fathers but of course we must remember the faith of our mothers too the faith of all those who have gone before us.
Welcome back again to the third part of Sacred Space 102 FM. My name is John Keeley. Uh, Shane is still with me. And again, a thanks to Lorraine Buckley, or Sister Mary Dominic, and, uh, and, and our own Michael Keaton, uh, who faithfully brought us again some more uh, thoughts and reflections on the, on the Saint, Saint Ita. But now we'll read and reflect on the Sunday Gospel. And before that, Shane, we'll share, we'll share a prayer. We always pray before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let our eyes be closed and our minds wander, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks for that, Shane. So the Gospel for today, for the second Sunday um, in ordinary time, is taken from the Gospel of John. As John stood with two of his disciples, Jesus passed. And John stared hard at him and said, Look, there's the Lamb of God. Hearing this, the two disciples followed Jesus. Jesus turned round, saw them following and said, What do you want? And they answered, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where do you live? Come and see, he replied. So they went and saw where he lived and stayed with him for the rest of that day. It was about the tenth hour. One of these two, who became followers of Jesus, after hearing what John had said, was Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. Early next morning, Andrew met his brother, met his brother and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. And he took Simon to Jesus. Jesus looked hard at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, meaning rock. So that's the Gospel for this week, Shane, uh, the second Sunday in Ordinary Time. A few thoughts you might have on that one, please? Yeah, so um, we're, off, we're off to the races, as they say. This is the Gospel of St. Mark for the year. Uh, short brief and to the point, so it's going to put myself and John to the pin of our collars to reflect on it uh, over the next while. I suppose looking at it and, and what have we 
because it is John's recognition and witness of Christ as there is the Lamb of God. And of course, we have here the whole question of disciples who come to Jesus, what do you want, he asks. And they answered, Rabbi, where do you live? And he says, come and see. And of course, that, of course, is one of the, um, I suppose if you could see, one of the underlying things for the come and see inspirations. Um, our, our, pod, our podcast team here, of course, which is that invitation that's there to each and every one of us to explore and discover what it is that Christ is offering to each of us. And that's, I suppose, is the question that's there for us this Sunday in terms of putting ourselves in the steps of the, um, of the disciples um, and saying, asking ourselves and responding to that question, what do, you, what do we want of Christ? What are we asking of him? What, where are we in terms of our relationship with him? And asking ourselves the question, you know, wh- wh- what are we asking of him? And his response is, come and see. And they, so they went and they saw where he lived. And that's the thing that we're invited into always, to cr- into, always invited into communion with Christ, into the divine mystery of love, that is the Blessed Trinity, but in, in particular with relationship with Jesus. And it's interesting, of course, that in the example that's given us in this Sunday's Gospel, of course, one of them is Andrew, which is, of course, the first apostle to be called and the brother of Simon Peter. And, you know, and the first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother and say to him, come, we have found the Messiah. And, you know, and it's an interesting that, you know, it's that whole thing of sharing what it's not enough that we have a relationship with God, but as Christians, we're called to share that relationship. Um, and and to 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 um, to to work out what it means to be able to communicate that relationship to others in the simple way that we have in our daily lives. We're not called to go out and stand up on soapboxes and corners and kind of you know do all that kind of thing. We're called to be witnesses to Christ in the daily lives that we lead in a, into the best of our ability. The other thing, interesting thing, of course, about this. Gospel. The, the other thing that stands out is it's not only that response of Jesus of come and see, but it's also the fact that he sees Simon Peter, looks at him and calls him by name. And there's an awful lot to be said about being called by name. You're identified, you're known, you are recognized, you are seen for who you are as a person, as an individual. And this is an important thing that sometimes we kind of forget the names of, you know, and in, in we talk about the numbers, we talk about statistics. And, you know, I, I don't know, was it Stalin or someone who was supposed to have said, you know, one person, one person dies or is killed, that's a tragedy. A million people are killed, that's just a number. And it's something i suppose that we are i'm paraphrasing now it's not it's not quite the the, the quote that i was looking for but it's, it's it's you know you're getting what i'm saying is the principle of it and just asking ourselves that question as we reflect on the gospel this sunday for that well those of you who know me probably at this stage now this is probably one of my favorite uh, gospel passages when when jesus noticed the two disciples of john following him i suppose we can all be like that sometimes but we can be following Jesus or trying the best we can to follow Jesus and then he turns around to the boys and he says well what do you want? Jesus is asking us I suppose today quite often as we listen to this gospel reading what do we want? Why are we following Jesus? What do you want? Shane or John or Anne? Maybe like the two disciples we might answer something similar where do you live? How can we find a bit more about you? And Jesus might come and just answer us and say, well, come and see. Come and see where I live. Come and see what I'm about. Jesus is asking, is inviting us to spend time with him. We can do this by spending time reading about him. We can hear the gospel already Sunday morning. You can hear it on this program or you can hear it in Mass. You can read it in a leaflet. 
Well, Jesus is telling, and this is telling us about Jesus and who he is and why he wants us to listen to his words. We can make a special effort maybe to buy um, buy some resources, some, some books that help us maybe to reflect on the word of God. Um, but also with that, it might be possible, it might be a good idea if time would allow, maybe sometime later on, maybe to, to join with others in chatting about, uh, discussing the life of Jesus, maybe join a, a lecture to Divina group, something to find out about who is this guy Jesus, what's he all about, what does he want us to do? Of course, we can also spend time with Jesus by visiting him in the tabernacle in every church. And we can do that if we can visit the chapel now these days and the church these days, we can do that. Maybe just spend a few moments with him, listen to what he has to say to us. So this week, maybe we can spend a special effort to respond in a, in a special way to this call of Jesus. Come and see. The passage of scripture that we've just read and all about this come and see was obviously, as Shane just mentioned there, just alluded to, it is an important part of, uh, of setting up uh, this podcasting platform that, that myself and Shane are utilising at the moment. We've prayed about it, we've thought about it. But for some reason, this passage of scripture come to us, come and see inspirations. So what, what we try and do each week, guided by the Holy Spirit, is to inspire people and, and, and to help people maybe to find out resources um, as to where they can find a, find a bit more about, about Jesus. What is, what's he all about? Because he is continually asking us, come and see, come and see what I'm all about. So with that, it brings us about to the, the end of our programme. Shane, thanks a lot again for, for sharing those words with us early on today and of course on, on the Gospel too. Uh, next week we'll try and do it all again but in the meantime thanks again for all those people who continue, continue to pray for us uh, support us and don't forget to text us you can do it by, that by texting 087 uh, 6088 667 or email sacredspace102gmail.com but in the meantime we'll go out with a final piece of music and of course I had to search and I found one a piece of music that's entitled Come and See this is sung by Rob Bennett so next week for myself and Shane thanks again for joining us Take care, and we'll see you again next week. God bless now. Bye. Bye. What are you looking for? Uh, um, where do, where you, do live? you live? Rabbi. Rabbi. Come and see. See a man from heaven Come and see Hear him speak He has seen the face of God Come and see Come and see This Jesus of
And a voice still ringing in my ear Saying follow me Follow me And I will show you my Father Follow me And you will see The heavens open See the face.